Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. When somebody cares about you, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. I lend a hand like, hey, you know, you're pretty vulnerable right now. Why don't you at least text me before you use or after you use? Peers are some of the best connectors. They are very, very well connected in their communities. Today, we're devoting our whole show to constructive conversation about construction workers, specifically practical ways that people are trying to help folks who work in construction live healthier, happier, longer lives. Why? Well, compared to the national average, those who make a living in construction jobs have nearly twice the rate of substance abuse, and the rate of suicide for men working in construction is about four times higher than the general population's. Clearly, safety isn't just about putting on the right hard hat or boots. Other measures are needed, and making resources available and accessible is vital to improving life quality and longevity for construction workers. Our first guest today has dedicated himself to providing that through a newly formed peer support system and hotline based in St. Louis called Lean STL. Here to talk about the genesis of this group is Don Willie, founder of Lean STL and pension chairman and trustee for the Laborers Health and Welfare Trust Fund. Don, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thank you for having me, Lena. So we'll be talking about this throughout the show, but very briefly, what is peer support? Uh, Peer support simply is people with lived experience in substance use disorder and mental health. Those two usually go together hand in hand Mm -hmm. 98% of the time. Um, So people with lived experience um, that have attained recovery and been in recovery uh, for a while and want to share that and help people, other people, dealing with mental health and substance use issues Mm -hmm. attain recovery in their lives. Right. Now, you have a very personal story behind your involvement and investment in peer support. May we have you share that with us? Sure. Um, So I've been a laborer for 37 years, uh, active labor for 37 years. I retired two years ago. I spent 20 years in the field and the other 17 years on the business side of the union, working mm-hmm. for the union and becoming business manager. Of those uh, 15 years prior to uh, 2016, I was dealing with my only son, Matthew, who had a, a heroin uh, addiction. And um, uh, myself and his mother had to take him off life support after a week in in the ICU. Uh, And that was uh, March 29, 2016. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so part of this issue as a loved one dealing with someone in uh, substance use uh, is called uh, presenteeism. okay? Okay. So there are there were days in that 15 years that I was on the job, but I wasn't there 100% of the time. Sure. There were days I was there 50% of the time. 
And for a construction worker, a tradesperson, or even a union official, as I was both, uh, that's dangerous. Sure, sure. That's dangerous for their for their coworkers. That's dangerous for the company, everybody involved. Uh, but I, I will admit to you, as a loved one dealing with a substance use, when Matthew passed, in in a lot of ways, it was a relief because I got off that train of waiting for that call every day that I that I recognized his his heroin addiction. Uh, there was a relief. Uh, of of not just living in that fear, and uh, when I when I poked my head up uh, and looked around, what was going on with substance use in the St. Louis market? Uh, a lot of things need to change. Yeah, and so that was part of your realization. I mean, all the years of work that you had done, both as a construction worker and on the business side, and then what had happened with your son. Was there something in particular though that made you realize? that there was a need specifically for a peer support group in St. Louis? Well, it, it evolved with education, uh, doing talks to various association groups, safety meetings, things like that. And then uh, my son Matthew was in a St. Louis recovery house on Humphrey Street. Mm-hmm. It was their intake house. And this was this, this is a recovery house set up with peer support. These are guys in recovery taking people in, they're feeding them, housing them, doing a, a, a program, a 12-step program or other programs, making sure they get their visits to the doctor, the visits to the psycho- psychologist, wh- whatever they need, they're there, that recovery house is there to support them. Mm-hmm. And and to me, uh, my son was only in there like two and a half weeks before he passed, but it just made a lot of sense because it's no different than me trying to talk to somebody who has experienced sexual abuse in her life or talk to a Vietnam vet. There is a huge value and a comfort uh, in people talking to somebody that has a lived ex- same similar lived experience. Right. The ability to relate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then you were also on that business side and what you were doing or uh, receiving about messages about other people who had passed. Yes. I mean, the, the, the more I shared, I mean, you can't shake a stick and not hit somebody that hasn't been affected by this, this crisis of mental health and addiction in this country. Mm-hmm. It, it's the exception not for somebody not to know somebody in their family or acquaintances that are not dealing with these issues. And specifically with those who are in the construction Absolutely. industry. All of the funerals that you had to attend, and as as a business manager, uh, that's one thing we did at our local. Is we make an effort to attend funerals of all our members and and retirees. And there were too many funerals that were I went to for suicides, too many for overdose, and 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 uh, I'm in retirees meetings, and and even back then uh, we have members. There are grandparents that are raising their grandchildren. Right, right. You know, it's just, it's, you know, this country's population is being assaulted by a foreign national country, and that's China, with this fentanyl. So with the the current landscape mm-hmm. and the needs that you have seen, 
the road to getting support for peer support specifically and lean STL, it wasn't an immediate green light sort of situation. Diana Marburger is welfare director of the Greater St. Louis Construction Laborers Fund. She says when the peer support program was first pitched to their office, there was a degree of concern and some pushback about whether the fund should take on the program since it would require a good deal of financial investment. There were some that kind of thought maybe employing these two positions in the unions instead of the fund might be a better fit. My opinion of that, and I'll tell you honestly, I was a little skeptical about the program initially until I dug in, researched, had several conversations with Boston laborers, and I felt like the welfare fund is the appropriate fit for this program because it's a benefit. It's a benefit that we're offering to our members. So it did feel like at that point that it was an appropriate fit. Now, she added that they were able to bring most skeptics around to understand the value of lean STL. The board definitely wants to dig into it. They want to know how it affects the the fund, the plan as a whole, and, you know, financial-wise, work-wise, everything. But just their openness is just huge to me. And that told me immediately we have buy-in We have a very caring and understanding board that wants to get our members the help that they need. Now, speaking of caring and understanding, Don, you have come in with a lean STL shirt. And we have two other guests here also wearing lean STL representing for this this group. And each of them works as a laborer's recovery specialist with lean STL. And that is James Purcell. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. And Aaron Walsh, welcome to you. Thank you. And thanks to both of you for being here today. Now, you both have worked in construction. Why is it that construction workers are disproportionately prone to addiction and substance abuse? James? It's it's probably complicated, um, like most things. Uh, It's definitely tough work. Um, There's a lot of stress. Um, I would I would say population. Um, it's it's tough work, mm-hmm. you know. And Aaron. Yeah, I would definitely say, um, you know, the stresses of not knowing, you know, having a job that is, you know, for sure, you, you know, there's layoffs, there's, you know, times of not being able to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also putting your body under a lot of a lot of stress, which leads to you know, your body hurting and, you know, yeah. um, so there, there's a lot of stress that goes along with the job. Mm-hmm. And we actually had an email come in from Ted, who's a physical therapist and clinical director of Peak Sport and Spine. And he emailed that uh, there is a high rate of musculoskeletal injuries among construction workers. He writes, these musculoskeletal injuries often lead to prescriptions for opioid medications or self-medication with alcohol, which can be extremely dangerous and can be a gateway to more extensive substance abuse. Um, The Mid-America Carpenters Regional Council and the Carpenters Benefits Plan through their on-campus wellness center, are working to combat this problem. The clinicians at the wellness center are well-versed in these issues and work diligently through patient education, 
physical therapy first and chiropractic medicine to reduce the need for opioid prescriptions and have been successful with this approach. So someone who's letting us know from their position, working with folks who are in construction, and Don, you were nodding as we were yes. reading this email. For um, for each of you, you know, how much awareness did you have about this kind of risk when you started in work in construction? I, yeah, James. I, uh, you're younger, usually, when you start. And um, it is a great way to, uh, to provide for your family. It's certainly, I think, like, like most humans, when you're young, lots of your, your, the future seems infinite and you feel fantastic. And so it's not, you're not aware of that. I, I, mm. don't, I don't believe you, you feel fantastic. And it's actually, uh, at that time of your life, it actually feels like a, a good part of your life. You feel good doing the work, my, sure. my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, you know, as far as awareness goes, um, there there really is none, you know. And, and a lot of times, um, you know, um, we grow up in, in, in broken homes or we grow up, you know, a little rougher than most. Um, so it's really trying to catch that person, like you were saying, that is that is using the alcohol to maybe cope with some stress or to cope with an injury or you know, different things like that, and and really be able to catch him before he's in crisis mode, yeah. you know, and, and education and information is huge on our part. Mm-hmm. And Don, for you? Uh, no, as an awareness, I, I was a world beater, you know, coming into this, mm-hmm. and uh, injuries, I you know, we're, we're this industry, yeah, orthopedics love us, yeah. you know, <sighs> therapists love us. And and that that is one of the gateways into addiction mm-hmm. is, is through through the injuries and and the, the these are great jobs they have world class benefits uh, but they're temporary yeah. we're, our job is to work ourselves out of a job and mm-hmm. that's very stressful on a young family yeah and to what extent do you think there is more awareness I mean we're talking about this on the show now. Do you feel like in the past couple of years that there are more people coming into construction knowing that these risks exist? There are more, but there's not enough. Mm-hmm. We, the things you know, with mental health and addiction are evolving very fast. They're evolving in the right direction. But through the hiring of, of these James and, and Aaron, we hope that we get other trade unions to follow along. We hope to build... Uh, to bust the stigma and build an echo chamber of support when it deals with mental health and addiction substitute. We're going to take a very quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Now back to our conversation with Don Willey, pension chairman and trustee for the Laborers Health and Welfare Trust Fund and founder of Lean STL, and James Purcell and Aaron Walsh, both laborers recovery specialists with Lean STL. Like Don, uh, 
James and Aaron, you, know, you have very personal connections to the subject and experience of substance abuse and recovery. And Don, you know, you've been talking earlier about re- relatability and the importance of that lived experience. For each of you, you know, what were your journeys like, Aaron? Yeah, um, my journey uh, in recovery started in 2015, and um, you know, I pretty calm pretty much call myself a poly substance user. You know, over time, it just kind of graduated. And um, heroin really brought me to my knees. And um, my son lost his mother because of an overdose, um, lost a father because of um, drug use. Um, And, you know, it just, um, you know, I, I was being actually supported by a peer back when I was 18 and I first got into the union. Mm. My, my, stepda- my stepfather was, um, he was in recovery from alcohol and he would meet me where I was at, right? I was still doing what I wanted to do, but he would pick me up and take me to work and talk to me. And, you know, he really tried to do his best, you know? And um, obviously I wasn't ready then, but in 2015, you know, I met a guy on a job site that was and he was laughing, he was talking to people, and, and, and uh, he had a drug problem, but he was happy, and I asked him what he was doing, and he told me what he was doing. And, and uh, he checked up on me for about three months until I was ready to um, do what he was doing. Yeah. And that's how I found recovery. Uh-huh. And know. what he was doing was? He was in a 12-step program. Mm. And, um, yeah, I had tried everything in the world, and nothing else worked for me but that. Right. So it's really a turning point. Yeah. And James, how about your journey? What was that like? Yeah. Uh, Of course, it's all a life, a lifelong thing happening. But as my, uh, as my alcohol abuse um, ramped up, it also was my mental health that was really deteriorating. And I knew that I needed help. And I had a really tough moment, you know, a lot of people call it a kind of rock rock bottom type type moment where I showed up for work on a Monday morning and somebody who I would consider a, a peer, but also was my boss and he's a mentor at the time. Mm. Uh, I, I, I fell out in the heat of the day and I knew I needed help and we, we talked about it and, uh, you know, he was just there for me before that happened. There's so many stories, but he was also there for me after and, uh, for me, it was seeking out mental health treatment was Im- immediately opened up. That is that is my doorway and pathway to to um, recovery, mental right, health right. recovery and alcohol recovery was my mental health journey. Okay, so it's really starting from that point. Now, Don, what are the main tenets of peer support? You know, Aaron and, and James have kind of talked about how peers have played a role. What are the tenets of it, and how is it actually practiced? So what what they're going to be doing under lean uh, is taking phone calls from members. Uh, they're there to support. They're not there to diagnose or treat. They're there to support and offer resources. Uh, you know, we have great resources, and and they they were being underused. And so, so part of their job is to know that full menu of resources that they have under our insurance program, under, under our welfare program, but also to know 
uh, resources in the market for the uninsured members mm-hmm. and the uninsured uh, dependents of the member's family yeah. or friends, you know, and, and they're going to get phone calls from other tradespeople or friends of friends. And, and it is not, we're not going to turn anybody away. We're going to offer resources whenever we can, wherever we can. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if it's another trade, hopefully direct them back to their trade and their welfare fund for that help also. Yeah. Now, James, you mentioned how mental health is behind all of this, but your role as a peer support specialist is not therapy or counseling. Can you talk a little about that and sort of that that line and and the connection between what you do and clinical help? Yeah, it, and there is definitely a line there, uh, and it's important. But there's also a lot of informal things that happen on the front side. Like I mentioned, my mentor, there were many moments that he was that this work was happening before that moment and even after that moment. So there's a lot of these little interactions that that build up to these changes. Mm-hmm. But 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 our goal, if somebody needs clinical help, is to get them resources. It's a big part of what a peer does. Yeah, you know there are professionals, maybe not enough of them, and that that makes us more. Beneficial also because we can we are out there yeah. daily. So, and you had also mentioned you know you hit rock bottom the day that you fell out at the work site, and you know what your boss and peer did for you. What did he say to you in that moment that got you up and moving in another direction? You know, it's funny, and the f- fell out is such a funny thing. But I think you understand what it means. Yeah, a, a, a hot August summer day when you've had way too much to drink. It's more the support, the care, the unconditional positive regard. It is this amazing thing that when somebody looks at, when somebody cares about you, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. And uh, language is important, but it, it was his caring attitude. This is my boss who was also working right beside me, but he cared for me like someone who loved me. Mm-hmm. And so it, right in the moment, it was more about the fluids he got in me. Oh, yeah, the, absolutely. The, the Gatorades and yeah. got me the immediate, but it was more his positive regard for me still to this day yeah. that made the difference, makes sure. the difference in my life. And Aaron, in your case... Um, you, you talked about this peer who was like happy and laughing and smiling. Sure. You know, was there anything else that that peer did to help you toward recovery in 2015? Like, did he <clears throat> make any introductions or? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I had asked him that day, he told me and uh, I wasn't ready. And so it was. Every couple days, every few days, he would come up to me and ask me, are you ready yet? Yeah. And I would just put my head down like we normally do, you know, shame and guilt, right? And no, I'm not, you know. And that went on for about a few, a few months and until I found myself in a garage with a car running trying to once again die. And, uh, you know, it's just an ongoing uh, storyline. Um, and I had called him. And he told me exactly what to do, and I did that and went into treatment the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and that's that's really what we do is, you know, meet people where they're at, not force them. You know, we're going to guide you towards where you're ready to be, but let you know that 
you know, the shame and the guilt um, is bad enough that you have somebody that is going to support you through all of that. Yeah. And this, like, where, where they're at, does that mean, like, what does that, what does it mean? <laughs> that, that for me, uh, you know, is harm reduction, right? Like making sure if you want to continue to use to know that, hey, I'm still here for you. Mm. Um, the resource is still here. You know, like when we get phone calls, and I get somebody that comes out of detox and disappears. I, I, I lend a hand like, hey, you know, you're pretty vulnerable right now. Why don't you at least text me before you use or after you use? Yeah. You know, and that way, you know, we can kind of establish that you're okay, you know. And um, I've done that with a couple phone calls that we've had. Um, it just started March 1st, but... Um, one of the guys had contacted me about a month later and said, hey, I just want to let you know that, you know, when you had called me and said that that day, it made me feel very supported. And he goes, I haven't used, but I just wanted to call and let you know that. So it just kind of reinforced that yeah. whole harm reduction, you know, just meeting people where they're at. You know, if you're not ready, you're not ready. Right. But How did that feel? Very empowering because harm reduction to me, um, I had a really bad bias towards it, believe it or not, uh. even as a recovering addict. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, I looked at I looked at Narcan differently from somebody that's been Narcan twice. Um, you just without the information, you know, and in, in, in the education of really knowing what you're talking about is 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 just pivotal in this space because, you know, we get these ideas of what things are and, and we really don't know. So that's really a focus of mine is to get people to really understand what we're talking about here, yeah, yeah. you know, and support one another. Mm -hmm. Don, insofar as the, the process, so you've kind of described what uh, what James and Aaron have been brought on to do, some of the things that they're doing. Peer support, it could be just sort of this thing that, that people provide informally or casually to one another. But what does it mean to formalize the process, and why is that important? To formalize the, this process is, is huge, and it's the best weapon we have against, against this mental health and substance use crisis we have in this country. You know, what Aaron just described is someone who cares, someone who's been there, and he broke the false belief of I'm all alone in my abuse, I'm all alone in my addiction, I'm all alone in, uh, you know, in my mental health. There, it's somebody saying, I, this is my story, this, you know, you're not alone, I've been there, when you're ready, I'm here to help you. And, and to watch these guys or anybody in recovery, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of energy and creativity to be an addict. Mm, it yes. is huge. And when they can turn those resources and those skill sets around for the good, it's just amazing to watch. It's fun. Yeah. It, it's just, it's, it's love. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. You know, there are formal addiction recovery groups for those experiencing addiction, and that's something you know that you have been going through, Aaron. Um, but I think you know sometimes there is a disconnect between those kinds of groups and folks who are going through addiction. 
How do you think, uh, James, you know, that peer support specialists sort of bridge that gap? Uh, that's that's a, a great question. I think support, as a person who is didn't come to my sobriety by 12-step, I think support looks different for everyone. Our support is going to look different, no matter whether you're in 12-step or not. Our support is bigger than than a certain group or a certain face. And uh, for me, I think peers are a great resource and part of somebody's support network. They know they have somebody. It's somebody who's well uh, well informed about the the process and the situations that they're going through. And they also has this unconditional positive regard, this care for them. So I think it's an amazing piece of 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 resource and support for people. It's, it's definitely different. The, the 12 step is, is its own process. Um, Eric can probably speak a lot better than I can about it. Uh, but it, to me, it's a, it's an amazing, everybody has support in their life and has these people who, who, who do that for them. And it's a huge part of of your success moving forward. I think we all have that in our lives. We're talking about Lean STL, a new peer support program for construction workers that is part of an employee benefits for the St. Louis laborers. It's based on a first-of-its-kind program in Boston, which was started in 2018. And we're talking with James Purcell and uh, Aaron Walsh, who are Lean STL peer support specialists, as well as with Don Wiley, who helped to start the program here in St. Louis. Now, insofar as um, stigma goes, Don, in your experience, are people feeling more comfortable about talking about substance abuse now? Yes, it, it, it's improving, but it's, it's nowhere near what it needs to be, okay? I mean, it, it's, you know, I can tell... The superintendent, you know, I've got lower back issues. I got to go to the chiropractor. I got to see the orthopedic. No problem. Get there, get it done. See you, see you back. Um, we need to be able to talk about mental health issues and and substance use issues, just like we talk about blood pressure and diabetes mm-hmm. or, or weight loss. You know, it, it it needs to be that simple because these are diseases, uh, and it they're they're we're too short in the workforce. In construction and any any other industry, and to treat the workers in this industry as throwaway products is it's just a nonsensical business yeah. point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we need these men and women healthy mentally and physically, and to get them the right resources they have is, is critical for everybody involved. It's a win win for everybody. Right. The labor shortage is too tight. Uh, the demand is too great not to treat people in their best regard and to get them their best point in their life of, mm-hmm. of being well. Yeah, yeah. James, you had talked earlier about getting mental health support as the thing you know, that really puts you on a better path. Now, do you think that there is more sort of awareness around mental health as being the thing? I mean, for you personally, was mental health and thinking about that um, a stigma that you didn't want to deal with and that was part of what 
what made you rely on alcohol and other things? Absolutely. Okay. Of, of course. Um, I don't know if you've heard this. Uh, from onset of symptoms, the average person, it takes 10 years for them. This is mental health uh, symptoms. It takes them 10 years to get help, take that first step. That's that's a chunk of your life. That's a section of your life. A huge. Think of all the the hard times somebody goes through in that ten years, and and why do they do this? Why do they hold on hold on to this? And of course, stigma, fear. Yeah. Uh, fear is is a, a big thing. Aaron and I talk a lot about uh, losing your job, the stigma in the workplace, uh, weakness. You know. So yes, I would say absolutely that it was it was for me. Mm-hmm. And Aaron, you talked about some of the, some of the personal background that you have, um, that you connect to the struggles that you've experienced. You know, how do you think mental health um, interventions or just taking care of your mental health can help folks who are struggling with addictions, especially when it's tied to breaking familial cycles and that sort of thing? Yeah, um, you know, there is a large part of the pop. Yeah, I hate to say this, but um, you know, it if you if you become addicted to drugs, it's you're it's pretty drugs or alcohol. It's it's pretty clear that you had some bad things happen to you at some point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, there has been some kind of trauma, some kind of you know. Um, Whatever, you know, so, you know, finding help um, for your mental state, whether that's anxiety or depression or, I mean, can be huge. I think, though, that, you know, we use drugs to kind of cope with those things. And at first, it's a choice, right? Um, We have a choice. And then next thing you know, the thing that was helping us is now taking over our lives. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then you're stuck. Yeah. You know, you become stuck in that uh, that space, Um, you know, and to break out of that, of the shame and the guilt, um, the stigma of of being an addict, um, you know, that's where us, this organization that is groundbreaking and saying no, like uh, uh, changing our attitudes and behaviors towards people that are struggling with mental health and addiction issues and creating open door policies for these people to come and talk. Cause these are internal struggles. We can't see them. They're not visible. You know, uh, it's not a broken leg. So, you know, creating that space for people to come in, look, I'm struggling. I need to take the day off or, you know, I need to find some help or, you know, these things are normal. They're yeah. normal human things. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Do you happen to have an example, perhaps, of how you know, the training that you are receiving now to do what you are doing, that it's helped others, but it's also helping you understand yourself better? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, as far as my own biases um, towards certain things or working with a certain population, um, you know, we are in a community health worker health worker program that is um, not only teaching us ways of connecting with people, but really connecting with ourselves on a deeper level. Um, And 
a lot of that for me has been through like the LGBTQIA plus community, mm -hmm. like being able to work with somebody that may be trans or, you know, um, these things, you know, it, it, it's amazing when you just get educated on something mm -hmm. and you sure. understand what a community is doing or trying, you know, allowing people to be who they are. Um, it's, it's just been amazing. And, you know, uh, You know, being completely open and honest with everybody, and especially yourself, uh, we we can really we can really make some big changes. Yeah, yeah. James, how about you? <laughs> uh, so uh, that was great, Aaron. Uh, we uh, Aaron and I both were on uh, our own wellness path before this started. Um, I, I had been I had actually been studying uh, social work at St. Louis Community College for two years before yeah. before we we got this opportunity. We're also in this CHW Community Health Worker Program at St. Louis Community College. So this to me it was all an extension of what we're caring human beings. I think most human beings are caring mm -hmm. and want these. So for me it's language. All of us learning new language. I think providing our uh, our members our our labor force with language because there is a desire to care for each other out there. It already exists. So providing people with this language to me is a, is a big step in the right direction uh, that I would say is helping us move forward. Yeah. Don, you know, recovery is a, a term that we've been using in this room. It's talked about like in popular culture and we see it in a lot of places now where maybe we didn't see it before, but maybe there's still a lack of more complete understanding about what it is. It's not just a moment. It's not just treatment or rehab or even being sober for you know, some unbroken period of time. How is recovery more than that? Re recovery is living a life of self-love, a, a, a rewarding life. It may take a religious form, it may take a 12-step form, it may take the clinical form that we're all talked about here, you know, during this session. Um, can you get to work on time? Can you, can you be productive at work? Are you thoughtful at work? Can you take care of the kids on time? Are you involved in your community? You know, is your family happy? Are you happy? Yeah. That's recovery. The path to recovery is different for every person that's trying to obtain it. Yeah. And and these gentlemen are here to support that path and talk about what that individual needs. Now, we all know that intellectually, uh, recovery looks different for everyone. And James, you had mentioned that, right? Is there something that each of you say to people when you're working with them that helps them remember that that's true? Uh, I certainly would say um, meeting them where they're at, active listening, like that part of our relationship, allowing them to be the person that they are is really where that comes out. What does that mean for them? It, it's my story is not their story. It can help. It can help open that door in them yeah. that they can see in me that I've opened that door. But it really is helping them highlight what they already know, what is true for them. Uh, I, I love the idea that we're all the, the, 
the world's foremost expert on ourselves. I, I love that idea. I, I didn't know that, and I, fi- <laughs> I find it I find it empowering. You right, know? right. So I I think looking at people with care and and that feeling that they get when they know that you care and see them in that light that they are capable, that that is how they can start to see recovery because recovery is not just this one piece. It is just a, it is a piece of your life, your pathway. Yeah. We're, we're all on this pathway and learning and growing. Aaron, is there something that you say? Um, you know, I, I focus on forward, forward looking, you know, um, use what you have, right? We, we, I, I get people to look at internal resources you know, what do you have to build off of? Yeah, we have all this bad stuff, but yeah, let's look at what we do have and, and gratitude. Yeah. Aaron Walsh and James Purcell are two former construction workers turned peer support specialists for Lean STL. And Don Willie is the Lean STL founder, also with the Labor's Health and Welfare Trust Fund. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Coming up, how peer support works, what makes it effective, and how it can be utilized by other industries. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. I'm Elaine Cha. Today, we've been talking about peer support for construction workers, which is a demographic that experiences disproportionately higher rates of substance abuse and suicide than the general population does. Peer support certainly isn't limited to those who work in construction, however. Here to talk with us about how peer support works and what makes it effective and how it can be utilized by other industries, we welcome Emily Stuckey, CEO of Archway Institute, an organization that works to aid those seeking recovery support. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you, thanks for having me. So why is it that peer support works? Well, simply put, um, peers know what it takes to recover because they've been there, they've done that. So they are thriving in recovery. They can model recovery in a way that's attractive almost to mm-hmm. the people that they're trying to serve. And that gives that gives hope. And we all know how important having that hope is to the recovery process. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also add that peers are some of the best connectors. They are very, very well connected in their communities. We you know, you hear the you hear the phrase, um, you know, people don't recover in a 21-day inpatient facility, mm-hmm. right? It takes a lot more than that. And peers are there to, yes, connect people to treatment, but also connect people to all the recovery support services, community services that are out there on the back end. Okay. So rather than isolate, it's to keep engaged in many different ways. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They they have a way of building rapport very, very quickly mm-hmm. um, and breaking down those walls, breaking down those barriers and keeping people engaged, like you said. Yeah. And just to clarify too, peer, it doesn't mean necessarily the same age. It's based on experience, right? Experience, yes. Yeah. No. There's great potential for peer support in uh, substance abuse and the mental health space. Why is there such potential for it? Well, 
it has shown, I mean, I guess speaking from like a, a research perspective, mm-hmm. peer support is considered a best practice now by at a federal level by SAMHSA. So there is research, there's data out there that supports the value of peer services in increasing engagement, increasing retention and treatment, decreasing recidivism. So you don't have mm-hmm. people cycling through our hospitals jails, prisons over and over again, that yeah. kind of thing. So th- there is there is adequate data out there that really supports it. Mm-hmm. And has there been something that has made more data available or on that research front? Um, like, is there oh, more, are, are, there, are people investing more in it? People are investing, definitely. Um, peer support seems to be, we might say it's a buzzword sometimes in the in the field right sure. now. Um, you're seeing peers employed across the continuum of care in treatment, hospitals, recovery, community organizations. Um, it's a billable service through Medicaid. A lot of state and federal dollars can go to peer support services now. So mm-hmm. yes, I, I would agree with that. People yeah. are definitely investing in it. What other industries and businesses, apart from those connected to construction, should consider the sort of program you know, that Lean STL is now like providing for construction workers? Oh, well, I would I say that peer services should really be both in and outside of the continuum of care. So I would love to see peer services in all industries and in big corporations and businesses. Um, I'm just the work that Don and the Welfare Fund and James and Aaron are able to do with their fellow employees is going to make a big big difference. And mm-hmm. when you replicate. It, I mean, it would be wonderful to be able to replicate that in other other businesses as well. Yeah. And can it work for businesses or industries that don't have the type of benefits that, uh, you know, with funding, sort of the way that the St. Louis laborers do? You know, we it, currently peer services aren't reimbursed through commercial insurance. If we could, you know, eventually we would like to see it go that way. And I don't think it's too far off. I I think those conversations are being had mm-hmm. um, in terms of funding. But I, and I don't think it's completely out of the question for other industries. You definitely have to get creative, um, like the like Don and the Welfare Fund has been able to do. Um, but I know that when you invest in peer support services, it does save you money on the back end in terms of, you know, whether it's insurance premiums or, you know, the care that you're you're taking for your employees, you yeah. are going to save. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that peer support is kind of a buzzword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so buzzwords get to be that because there is a certain like critical mass that's reached. What has led to peer supports being recognized as an emerging field? Well, I think the, you know, people are seeing that it's working. Um, and so I can't say that I know any one particular thing that led to this, but it's been, you know, peer support has been around mm-hmm. um, constantly. You're having individuals in recovery getting into the field they probably become clinicians or therapists or social workers and and so on and so forth but more recently it's become um you know it's it has become more formalized because they see the need for that authentic peer-to-peer relationship Mm -hmm. versus the just the clinical relationship right 
know, as with anything, there are challenges and roadblocks with anything that's that's developing or mm-hmm. growing. What are some of those hurdles that exist in the field of peer support? Uh, there's a few. Well, it's it's new, so just defining the role of the peer is generally um, is a conversation we've we've talked about a lot like what's the difference between what a peer does and what the counselor does and so and what the social worker does mm-hmm. um, you know training their peers go through a week-long training they take a test and then they're certified and they're ready to be employed mm-hmm. but there's a lot more that you know, peers need in terms of development. It's one of the reasons why through um, an organization that I founded called the National Peer Recovery Alliance that we developed a peer mentorship model. So we have experienced peers mentoring newer peers. Uh, Pay for peers is low. Mm. (laughs) We definitely need, um, you know, peers need to be able to make a livable wage. I would say the average pay for peers in Missouri or in St. Louis is between 18 and $20 an hour. Mm -hmm. And that's great if you're one person, but if you're taking care of a whole family and have a house and all that stuff, um, building in those career ladders and things like that will make a, make a difference. All things that any workforce you know, any workforce needs to be developed. This is just another another workforce. Mm-hmm. And in this last minute, what about this excites you most? Um, well, I'm a I'm a certified peer specialist. I'm a person in recovery, and it is exciting to see peer support grow and become more formalized. Um, peers are some of the best advocates because, like I said, they've been there, done that. And so getting the peer voice out there is incredibly exciting. It does break down the stigma a lot. It helps with all the all the things that people need to recover. So, Emily Stuckey is the CEO of Archway Institute. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.